You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. This is Reflections on Radio Ramadan, transmitting on 87.7 FM frequency, 1530 medium wave. Uh, you can find us on our website rr365.co.uk listen live option uh you can also uh join us on i syllabus website um for this program uh reflections um for with sheikh rizwan muhammad uh we've been covering surah kahf uh throughout um this ramadan today 23rd of ramadan 17th of may sunday Iftar today is going to be at 9:34 time just now is 3 minutes past 8 and we inshallah are going to listen to today's selection uh, of surah kahf we have reached the ayas where um yajuj majuj story is now under discussion uh, we've been learning about the story different aspects and different facets of it uh, let's hear the ayas and english translation and we'll take the comments from sheikh rizwan in the name of allah the absolutely merciful the especially merciful qalu ya dhal qarnayn inna ya'juja wa ma'juja mufsiduna fil ardi fa hal naj'alu laka kharjan ala an taj'ala baynana wa baynahum sadda they said o dhul qarnayn verily gog and magog are doing great mischief in the land Shall we then pay you a tribute in order that you might erect a barrier between us and them? Qala ma makkanni fihi rabbi khayrun fa'inuni biquwwatin aj'al baynakum wa baynahum radma. He said, That in which my Lord has established me is better. So help me with strength. I will erect between you and them a barrier. آتوني زبر الحديد حتى إذا ساوى بين الصدفين قال فخو حتى إذا جعله نارا قال آتوني حتى إذا جعله نارا قال آتوني أفرغ عليه قطرا Give me pieces of iron. Then when he had filled up the gap between the two mountain cliffs he said, "Blow." Till when he had made it fire he said, "Bring me molten copper to pour over it." So they were made powerless to scale it or dig through it. قال هذا رحمه من ربي فاذا جاء وعد ربي جعله دكا وكان وعد ربي حقا ذوالقرنين said this is a mercy from my lord but when the promise of my lord comes he shall level it down to the ground and the promise of my lord is ever true 
وتركنا بعضهم يومئذ يموج في بعض ونفخ في الصور فجمعناهم جمعا On that day we shall leave them to surge like waves on one another and the horn will be blown and we shall collect them all together وعرضنا جهنم يومئذ للكافرين عرضا And on that day we shall present hell to the disbelievers plain to view الذين كانت اعينهم في غطاء عن ذكري وكانوا لا يستطيعون سمعا those whose eyes had been under a covering from my reminder and who could not bear to hear it do then those who disbelieve think that they can take my servants as lords and protectors besides me so these are uh, the ayahs for today's reflection um, I am your host Zubair Akram and with me I have my guest Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad Assalamu alaikum Sheikh Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh So Sheikh today's ayahs um, <coughs> as uh, we have just uh, heard uh, this election so the story um, we've reached a point where Zulqarnain uh, has now encountered maybe encountered is the wrong word he has come across this uh, two strange tribes uh, who he can't communicate with uh, and there is no fight there is no uh, battle of any sort but there is it seems a defense mm-hmm. and that's where uh, that's where the kind of uh, the understanding this is where the conversation was yesterday mm-hmm. that there is no combat the situation there isn't uh, 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 for someone who's conquering the entire world mm-hmm. uh, on three corners when he comes to a point with so, so much power, mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't try to overtake them, mm-hmm. uh, but he tries to defend. Yeah, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. This is the fascinating part of this um, whole story of Dhul-Qarnayn is that he has such um, control and sway over everything that he comes across, um, defeating and uh, overpowering his foes. And then all of a sudden, when he comes to a, a group of peoples who he is unable to clearly communicate with, they indicate to him that there is these other tribes that are sowing mischief or creating mischief constantly. Mufsidun fil actually indicates the idea, idea of, of creating tribulations for other people. And we kind of mentioned yesterday there must be something about them that was different then but also will be different at the end of time because the Ajuj and Ma'ajuj is, is, the, is the, the strand that takes this into the present and into the future because the yeah. Ajuj and Ma'ajuj, Gog and Magog are, are in the Old Testament and also in, in, in the Quran and more specifically the Sunnah of the Prophet prophesies to be um, groups of people that will become prominent and um, pivotal in the destruction of of the world itself in terms of its balance and its resources and its and its equity 
And generally, what I mentioned yesterday was it, they will go against um, generally agreed principles of, of truth and righteousness that are accepted by all people, even if some people's and societies don't um, apply them um, transparently, but they still uphold them in terms of like the the you know the 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 the, you know, the kind of universal declaration of human rights, for example. All nations generally have upheld the statute, but they haven't lived by it. That's different. So you might, at least they aspire to it. At least they aspire to um, some kind of idea of inherent inalienable rights that humans have, which nobody can take away, neither a government or any other individual. They are originally and specifically for that individual. Mm. Now, whether they apply that or whether they live by that, that's a different thing. But Ya'juj and Ma'juj will openly seek to undermine even the idea that that's even necessary. Mm. So, we find this, um, what's, what's strange, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about this just out loud, what's strange about modern leaders uh, over the last four or five years that have appeared, or, or just be before that as well, that they generally are just coming to the point where they're saying, we don't really need to have these universal rights yeah, we don't need to abide by these. We want to have our own rights, and so you have all these slogans about um, Britain first or make America great again, and it's the same all over the world. It's not just um, yeah. in the West; it's in the East as well. You look at India as well. That kind of um, strident Hindu nationalism with a, quite a fascist streak is very much saying the same thing. Yes, it might be a liberal, um, secular society by constitution. But that's up for discussion. Mm-hmm. In other words, we're up. We're, we're ready to break the the base of the partition of India being a secular state. And Pakistan became it was a religious. It was essentially based created on the base of religion, as as was Israel. Arguably, yeah. Um, but India was a secular state. So this the constitution is like that. Uh, the major parties were of that nature. But what you find is that's up for discussion, so that you can, um, you know, the citizenship. Um, laws that were passed in India over the last um, six months, very clearly discriminating against one group of people, which were Muslims, yeah. um, and saying, well, the rights of um, freedom and safety are for everybody that comes to us except for a Muslim minority. And so it's that idea, Ya'ajun and Ma'ajuj, essentially that mindset and, and what's there is that even the things that everybody aspires to and wanted is now up for discussion. So humanity sets the norms, mm-hmm. and then there is a group or a mindset that defies the norm, mm-hmm. and yeah, take so it for granted. Humanity aspires to a norm, based yeah. on revelation and based on this is where philosophy and religion converge because those ideas are very much the same as enlightenment ideas of individual um, suffrage and, and, and rights, and Islam essentially brought the same thing as well. And so they converge. Philosophy and, 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 and thought converges with revelation and religion here. And that is what everybody aspires to. Everybody admits that we can't do it perfectly, but we aspire to it. But the Yajuj and Majuj mentality um, is that that's up for discussion because what's important is the utility of people and resources and getting your, your end and, and, and the means are irrelevant to that. So whatever means you can use, mm. as long as the end... Um, the end justifies the means, as they say. And mm. this very much goes to one strand of European thought, which is the Machiavellian 
idea of the, of the, of the prince who yep. takes every means okay. to get to the end result. I didn't think you would read the book, but yeah, okay. No, so I mean, essentially, that book is so interesting because it goes against what we would aspire to be, in in all in all honesty, um, ourselves, which is we wouldn't like to say that the end justifies the means. Yeah. Hmm. Do you understand? Whereas in Islam, it's very clear that that is not the case, and all all major religious traditions would basically say the same thing. They might do it, and in fact, most people in business. And to one is, I was saying, religion end up using it, you know, despite religion and despite um, philosophy and despite um, yes, well subscribed way of thinking. No, people use it, but they don't, they don't, they don't, um, they don't name check it because it's quite abhorrent. Because um, it means that your principles are disapp- you have no principles, you have no values, essentially, mm. because the value is what gets you to the end. Yes and no. Is is it not a chess? It is no, no. Your your value is if if the. I mean, the, the the thing is to be able to be bright minded in a way that before you take make a move, mm-hmm. you know what the result would be, mm-hmm. and that's the underlying stream. <laughs> you you well, the thing is the end. But the thing is, if the if the th- the steps that get you to the end are things that you would n- n- normally not do, then that's yeah. the whole point of um, you wouldn't want to be known to do this, but because this leads you to that, you'll do it. Hmm. So the kind of, you kind of, as grey as you can get, if it gets to the point where you have to kill somebody innocent to get to where you want to get to, the Machiavellian mindset will say, well, that is smart, far more important than this specific thing, therefore I'll do that. Hmm. Do you understand? Whereas in Islam, you have these whole set of laws where you it doesn't matter like you could be the, the president of a very famous country and if if the if this if the if if there's a choice between saving you and saving a normal citizen you would not be justified in pre- giving precedence to the the, the powerful person mm-hmm. even though you would say well the ends are such that this person is ruling and all the rest of it the reality is nobody has the has the prerogative and and the ability to make that choice if it's done, it's done. If somebody, if it, if the choice is made, that's done. But you can't. If you had a situation where you could actually press one of the two buttons, you're not allowed to press either button. Hmm, hmm. And so that, that that's a principle Imam Ghazali talks about in his, his book Al Mustasfa of these mind games that you play about to what degree can you use um, illicit means to get to some, an end which is good, and it, essentially you can't. So, but there is a discussion though. Oh, there is. To what course. degree? So there is a mind game that exists. Without a mind game of some sort, yeah. you can't navigate through life. Yeah, you have to have it. So that this is why... I mean, we play a, a mind game with our kids, mm-hmm. with our relations, mm-hmm. in a positive way. Mm-hmm. You know, re, uh, kind of um, exercising restraint mm-hmm. at points where you need to, uh, you, you keep quiet or you say, mm-hmm. uh, you use discretion. Mm-hmm. And that discretion is, in a way, a mind game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I mean, the thing about the Ajuj and Ma'ajuj is... They essentially are not. I'm just interested because they don't essentially are not ascribing to a, a philosophical principle. Hmm. They're as, as, ascribing themselves to a, a method. A principle is a principle, a value that is enshrined, and you you seek, you look up to, and you, you <coughs> seek to follow. The reason that they're they're described as mufsidun fil ard, which is that they're corrupting the earth, is I think their method their method will be one where it's not about 
the principle or the value it's more about achieving what you want to achieve so in other words look at look at I look at a CEO of a company they're just working for their their shareholders yeah governments ecological issues economic um, equality you know transparency are secondary to shareholders and they'll always say that they'll clearly state it, clearly in, their, state that. in their statements and then uh, occasionally it's it's a show it's a veneer Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that there needs to be a set of values which yeah needs so to you displayed. go to the website you'll have a, f- yeah. a, a tree and ecological at the bottom this is what we do to save the environment but essentially that's, that is what is in control of the world now That it's not the principle it's the methodology and the methodology is basically either you could say consequentialism or utilitarianism which is quite two big words but they're basically very simple what's important is the outcome mm. the consequences yeah. or the utility the use of something. So if you're not useful, you know, like you could you could make a, an argument, you know, in, in I don't want to go into politics or even all that, but you know, care homes, um, to what degree are do do the people in the care homes have any utility for society or not? Hmm. Like from a market perspective, what utility you could you could see this argued or thought about to what degree is the utility? And in, t- in fact, no, you don't have to have a think about it. IC unit units or uh, intensive care beds. It's very clear the utility will be if you're if you're older, you won't be getting that bed. Mm-hmm. If you've got underlying heart um, health issues, we'll give precedence to somebody else. It's happened in Italy, but essentially, it was happening in in the UK. It happened. In, it's happening in America, which has a death rate of I think the levels are going up to almost a hundred thousand deaths in America from mm. COVID-19, which is, um, you know, that number is just shocking. Mm. Um, but it's based upon this idea of utility. And utilitarianism is, is based on a, a mind game which shows that it, nobody actually wants to do it, but they'll do it. You know, they have this mind game of a, a rail track in which you've got, say you've got a rail track going along and then you've got five people tied onto the rail track. Now, mm. They say that if there's, if you had the ability to throw somebody onto the rail track, which derailed the train, which meant you saved five people. No, not f- throw. If you pressed a button and it threw somebody on, it would derail the train and the five people would be saved. Would you do it? Most people would say yes. Mm-hmm. But then they changed the experiment and they said, okay, you're standing behind this person mm-hmm. who you have to throw onto the train to save the five people. Would you do it? Changed completely. Mm. Because because you have to do it, your values cannot allow you to push a person to their death. But sure. to make a remote decision, everybody would say, I'll, I'll press that button or mm. I'll let it happen. I'll let somebody else press the button. And so utilitarianism is all about being distant from reality and not caring about the results. So you know when we consume plastics, yeah, we don't think about the fact that this is going to fill up a, fill up a, a, a waste site which is going to, you know, you know, leach, leak, leak out carcinogenics, which will then pollute the environment, which will then lead to cancer. We never mm. think of that. We never think when we're making all these plastic things that these are carcinogenics which cause cancer. We don't think of that. Mm. Mm. So why don't we think of it? Because it's just about consumption. And the mindset of consumption is Ya'juj and Ma'juj. Because the thing is, in, in the hadith of Imam Muslim, I think it is Imam Muslim, the Ya'juj and Ma'juj will come and converge um, coming down from the north and this is a metaphor. I don't think this is supposed to be a literal um, kind of hadith. Um, that they will, they will pass by the Lake of Tiberias, which is in present day 
occupied Palestine. Uh, and they, they, the first of them will drink from it, and the last of them, when they come to it, they will come to it and say, there used to be water here. And it was this total consumption, hmm. ravaging the earth. That's a metaphor for the fact that the Lake Tiberias is known. It's massive water, freshwater um, lake, which, which supplies all of that region. Now, that metaphor and that place is known. In the, in the, in the ancient Middle East, it was known as being this water place. Mm-hmm. Now, if that place is being um, taken, um, depleted by just uh, somebody drinking it, then you can imagine if you expand that to agriculture, to resources, to what's under the earth, what's above the earth, to fish stocks, everything... It's basically one example of what they will do. Not that Ajuj and Majuj will be let free from, you know, kind of a cage, and they'll go straight to the Tiberius, um, you know, mm. river Tiberius, uh, um, the Lake of Tiberius, and just drink it, and then everyone will know. Look, there they are. It'll be on CNN that look, the Ajuj and Majuj arrived. That's not how you know religious texts work. They t- they work on essentially metaphor, unless you can prove that it's a literal sense that is needed. Um, to be argued And so what happens is Dhul Qarnayn is going to not engage with them Because he knows they have a future And this is why this chapter is so important Because this chapter, as you know, is the protection from the Dajjal From the Antichrist uh, We are going to discuss very important few points Of understanding Yajuj Majuj How we interact with this idea of Yajuj Majuj uh, In present time And how we identify uh, metaphorically what the mindset is uh, how important it is for uh, us to understand that and live our lives the way we are living 8.31 just now on 17th of May 23rd day of Ramadan 9.34 is iftar today just before the break um, we were talking about a few key concepts of understanding uh, this strange um, encounter of Zulkarnain. Zulkarnain, uh, as we understand, uh, is one of the uh, just rulers the world had seen, um, who, whose conquests spanned over the entire world. Um, at par with Suleiman uh, almost, uh, in terms of control and power and how much of area is, is covered. Uh, and yet, such powerful, and uh, as Quran describes, the per- the person who was given all the possible optimum means uh, to to move and maneuver uh, and gain power uh, for the betterment, for establishing good in this world, mm-hmm. uh, yet encounters a nation, a tribe, where he decides not to overcome mm-hmm. uh, and defend. Mm. Uh, that's where we stopped, and a few, a couple of concepts, Sheikh, um, which is indirectly related. Uh, you, you spoke about that we uh, are inclined to do things if they're done for us, but we won't do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're also inclined um, to say things which, if we were in a traditional setup, we wouldn't say. I find a lot of people can say a lot of stuff on text messages, <laughs> on conversations in modern technology. Yeah. But they're not able to say them if they were given a choice uh, in a face-to-face situation. Yes. 
similarly um things of uh, you know the subtlety of life yes yes is that a, a funny extrapolation <laughs> oh, no i mean what's the i don't know how you got that from um you know the societies generally or people in this living in societies would rather things are done by governments or organizations that they would not do themselves and they'll turn a blind eye to it that's well known yeah that's a well-known concept and, and, and they just say well it's the price worth paying um for the liberties that we have for example this is a mantra that comes out uh, in, in in the kind of context of you know in the war against terrorism you know certain actions by certain states are justified because well it's those dirty actions that preserve the the liberties that we enjoy so much proxy actions yeah so whatever it is i mean and and, and what's interesting is that that's that's a price worth worth paying they say and it's like in the covid context it's much more um objective that that is the case that is a you know the price of losing certain liberties for the sake of you know saving a, a sizable number of people but also if you do nothing you know not it's not been a sizable number of people it is it's a consequence that we can't really fathom because the thing about the covid context if you read the the the, the kind of um, discussions that are there is that doing nothing will lead to it's not even that it will lead to what they used to talk about is at the beginning of this discussion was about herd immunity which is that you'll create some kind of immunity we don't even know for sure if that immunity would actually be forthcoming if we just did nothing. And mm. so you, you got rid of um, 4% of the population or 5% of the population, but that created immunity, which meant that the, the, the virus no longer affected us. We don't even know that, that if that would be the case. Virologists that's, who study this conjecture. would say, well, that's a projection, but we, not, we don't know enough about this specific virus to say it would, because there's all these reports about it mutating into something else which then doesn't just affect old people, it affects young people. Mm. So those kind of things we accept, the, the, the kind of curbing of liberties. But the thing about human beings is that human beings are by nature, um, they are cowardly by nature. The mm -hmm. na you have to instill generosity. And this is why Imam Maturidi says that if there's nothing else that you do um, for your children in terms of teaching, instill within them the concept of generosity, even as you instill within them the concept of saying La ilaha illallah. So everybody, everyone listening, if they've got children or nieces or nephews, you know, they know that once the child is young, they obviously say La ilaha illallah, say La ilaha The child doesn't know what it means, but the child gets used to it. Imam Maturidi was saying, you have to instill that within your children at a young age, even as you instill this basic thing that we all do. And the reason for that is, if you don't instill it, the child will have a sense of self which means it doesn't share and, and that's essentially what I think um, is a problem with modern societies is that that is the case that we will turn the blind, blind eye and we will not inculcate within ourselves these qualities or take the effort to do that courage mm. and generosity and, and trustworthiness and truthfulness it's almost like it's an exception um, and it's actually just before the COVID thing happened it's actually something to make my mind I was uh, I used to, I was traveling down to classes. I think it was in Manchester somewhere. So the train got cancelled. So I had to go all the way around. I think I had to get four trains to get to my class. Um, and on the way, you know, I have earphones on, which are kind of they've got kind of small plugs. One of them got lost, so I can't actually use it. So I was I was I was speaking to the person next to me. I said, "Look, you know, 
so much noise in it in the in the train. I like mm. to wear these with no, noise cancelling and all the rest of it. And then there was there was somebody over, overheard us on the next um, seat, and he said, oh, "I've got a whole bag of them." Mm. So he picked up this whole bag of these things that are so difficult to get hold of, and he goes, "Oh, I'll give you this one." And then the person I was speaking to said, "He didn't say Alhamdulillah. He's like not a Muslim, but he says, ah, my faith in humanity has been has been um, replenished.' <laughs> Just because of a small piece Puck. of rubber, which yeah. costs like ten p or something. Yeah, but." How how should that revive your 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 um? And he was quite serious. <laughs> it was like how will uh, that some simple act of kindness um, reinvigorate you to some kind of faith in humanity? <laughs> it must be really bad. Yeah, that. that's what I'm saying. To be honest, this I am so the not point surprised. Is, it's, it's such a simple thing that is, you know, we see it's not disappearing. I think the the the, the fear of law enforcement and and structures and fines puts people into a fear where they abide Mm. but if you take that away you know it's very fragile this is why muslims have this amazing concept of that if no one's watching me god is watching me Mm. when you're fasting you know that you're fasting and and you could you could do whatever you want and eat and consume and just wipe your mouth and all the rest of it as we used to do as children Mm. but essentially you can't because god is watching if God is watching your eating, God is also watching your financial transactions, also watching you in terms of how you deal with people, how you um, undermine people in private, and all the rest of it. So essentially all that is is set. And so Yajud and Majud's concept comes up because they essentially say this is all up for discussion and debate, and it's all up for negotiation. Mm-hmm. And that that's that's the unfortunate thing that I think um, may encroach into Muslim societies where that is the case. And you find like, you know, our, our leaders, you know, like uh, contemporary leaders, you see some of them trying not, to, trying to resist that. Hmm. Most state leaders will turn about blind eye, but some of them at least they speak out even if they can't follow through. Like in, in Turkey, uh, Erdogan, he, even if he doesn't follow it through with an action, he will still make a very public statement about it and a, a very public um, stance on it. Mm-hmm. Even if he has to backtrack because of the pressures on his on his economy or whatever it is, the practical reasons of the fact that the whole economy will be destroyed by sanctions or something. But the reality is, you know, most state leaders and nations and, and, and governments have to then abide by very tight scheduling of their finances and their and their policies, even policies, not just economics, not just mm-hmm. about you know um, open market economics. It's also about your social policies. It's also about um, you know, this this happened under the auspices of the United Nations, where you know rules about gender and rules about discrimination have been enforced upon countries, um, even though they're completely alien to the culture and and the and the and the want of the society itself. And so that's I consider that to be a judge and judge esque and, and how, activity. And how so? Th- th- it's it's a mindset. Mm. Plus the reality mm-hmm. that happened in in the past, but mm-hmm. now the ayah that we're coming to now, mm-hmm. it also says that it will happen again, mm-hmm. and this is how the world would end. I mean, the world will end. I mean, Yajuj and Majuj's interaction with this is is not questionable, but it is um, it is murky. But we know they have an ext- extremely important role because before this, what's interesting is. The, the, you know, Dhulqarnayn makes sure they're not going to go anywhere. 
So he says, Atuni Zubr al Hadid. You know, he says, Give me a piece of, of blocks of iron. Then he filled up the gaps between the two mountain cliffs and he said, Blow. Basically, it's not something that's special. Blow, it's just the fact that that's how you smelt and you and you and you create a strong um, ore. And then he said, Bring me molten copper to pour over it. And the whole point is that even when he decided something, he didn't just leave it. He did it perfectly. He did it as well as he could. So it's, again, another important thing that he didn't just build a stone wall. He hmm. built something that he felt would last. Uh, and then Allah says that they, Ya'jud and Ma'jud, could not scale it or dig through it. In other words, this was sufficient for them to stop their encroachment. And he says, This is a mercy from Allah that he's allowed us to quell this encroachment from Ya'jud and Ma'jud. But, but he says, فَإِذَا جَاءَ وَعْدُ رَبِّي جَعَلَهُ دَكَّاءَ But when the, the promise of my Lord comes true, he shall level it down. Allah will himself allow it to be breached. Hmm. There was this thing that's containing them or stopping their encroachment. وَكَانَ وَعْدُ رَبِّي حَقَّا And indeed the promise of my Lord will ever forever be um, true. Now what it indicates is that that um, barrier that stopped them having free reign of marauding over what we understand to be more civilized parts of the world mm-hmm. will come to an end. And that, you know, my own opinion is that that came to an end during the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ. Because if you take it to be, you know, if you take it the most plausible explanation of who the Qarnayn is, is Cyrus the Great. We have a fairly detailed history of world leaders and, and people that conquered lands and the person that fits that bill is perfectly um, Cyrus the Great because of um, the firstly, I mean, I think the most important thing is that the Jews asked about him. He must be important to their tradition. Mm. Alexander the Great is of no relevance to the Jewish tradition in that sense, in any way. Um, and so he's important, and but also he has this, we know his, his travels mm-hmm. all the way to the, the Bosphorus Straits, all the way to... Um, the, the, the Far East He has a north up to The Caspian Sea, the Black Sea, that area We know that he had um, Rulership of that whole area But we, if you take it, he, he lived about 600 years before Christ So he, we're talking about 1200 years between him and the Prophet hmm. And between that time That's the amount of time That this these this kind of obstacle To Ya'juj and Ma'juj was in place And it was probably Sufficient but what happened after that is that they they were able to then en- encroach back into other societies and spread. Yen means to spread. Okay. And so what the idea now is, the only discussion now is where did they spread to? Who are they? And there's... there's and they lived. They lived. And they... And they live. They live, of course. That's the thing. I mean, they're not aliens. They're not zombies. Hmm. They are human beings. And our interaction with them is going to be similar, should be similar to what Zulkarnain's interaction was. No, I mean... Block the, uh, off. Sorry? Block off. No, no, it's not block off, it's the mindset. I mean, Ya'juj and Ma'juj will come to um, a head when they end up depleting the earth to the point that Allah sends down um, a specific prophet to... Under whose, under within within whose age or era they will become they will come not, and this is the era of the Prophet Isa alayhi salatu wasalam. So what happens is, 
This chapter is, is as you know, protection from the fitnat al-Dajjal, Antichrist. Um, the, the Prophet Isa is essentially sent to challenge and to bring an end to the, the days of Dajjal, the Antichrist. As well as to complete his own hmm, hmm. Uh, periods on earth. But, and I'm, to but I'm trying to understand the mindset. Mm-hmm. The mindset isn't an intelligent mindset. Mm-hmm. It's quite a brash, in-your-face, mm-hmm. argumentative, but not uh, leading to anything intelligent. Mm-hmm. And it's a mindset that impedes welfare mm-hmm. of humanity. Which mindset is this? Yeah, Jujit Mahjou. Yeah, I mean, it's an intelligent. I mean, I don't think it's not an intelligent mindset. It's, it's um, I would say the opposite. I would say it was, it's, it's, it's cunning and it is Machiavellian. The whole point I was saying Machiavellian is that that is it's cunning. cunning, that is devious, that is one that's opportunistic and it's consequentialist, meaning it just cares about what the consequence of an action is, regardless of how you get there. And it's one that sorts. Uh, it seeks um, um, encounter, fight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, I, it just you no, know, it, it seeks out results. Now, if that means that you have no bloodshed and it's more efficient, that would be much more pleasant. Mm. Mm. If you can gain the, you know, it's like if you gain the gain the the resources of a country without sending troops in, of course you're going to take. Yeah, that's that's a golden rule of the war. Yeah, yeah so, take yeah. over without. Uh, yeah, so without engaging in war, winning the war, and and so. It's more about the fact that they will continue and they will spread and they will be effective um, until the point that they are then rid from the earth, which mm-hmm. is during the time of the Prophet Isa. And what's interesting is that the thing that brings their end is actually a virus. In other words, it's not the Prophet Isa um, fighting them or coming into conflict with them. At his period, his blessing is such that Allah sends down a specific type of virus, which, and the hadith mentions it, it, it makes their throat swell. So it's, it's related to the ability to um, be able to swallow or to, to breathe. And then they have a swelling in the throat and then they, then they die and then Allah cleanses the earth of, of, of them. But this is all about the, the, super, the supernatural or the all the or the kind of the, the kind of mysterious miraculous events that take place at the end of time the cleansing of the earth from them and, and what you've things. said just now is part of the prophecies of prophet sallallahu yeah, yeah, I mean, well one of one of many no it's, 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 it's the, those the things i mentioned are the, the authenticated narrations of the the end of yajuj and majuj so what we know is the the they appear before Dajjal, they're in appearance and well before he, he arrives, but their end comes after the Dajjal is killed. So they're mm. part and parcel of humanity. In fact, they are the people that lap up the Dajjalic mindset, the Antichrist. It's a perfect match, you know, it's almost a perfect match where the great pretender who's, who's Antichrist has a captive audience in people that want to consume. Mm. And this is then you know you I don't know if you watched this or there was it was making the rounds um, about uh, you know the beginning of the year the Messiah was it called the Messiah yeah it was on Netflix there was this kind of program yeah. and essentially it was about a discussion of whether he was the Messiah or he is the Christ or he's the 
or, or whatever the, the Dajjal for example mm. Masih Dajjal so what's interesting is that all of those were plausible but the thing about it was it was, it was there to confuse people you know the whole program was there to confuse is it a Christian story is it Jewish is it, is it Muslim which character is it portraying and the interesting is the producers that created it said that they didn't want an answer to it they wanted people to have no answer to who the person was Mm. And in fact, the person who wrote the, the script for it said it was important for us to say that even he never knew who he was. So that mm. confusion, mm. you know, the idea of confusion, which is part of the, the, the age of Antichrist, which is everybody's confused. Like you don't know whether the fire is fire or the water is water. You don't know whether uh, what he's saying is true, whether his powers are uh, God-given or not, whether he's a Messiah or whether he's an Antichrist. That confusion is going to be the trait of the people of Ya'juj and Ma'juj. And Ya'juj and Ma'juj, as I said, they will spread and they will control. And so in Muslim authors, they've also always had kind of understandings about who this, who these people were, who these tribes were. And, you know, some of them, I'm sure it's... Uh, um, in fact, who was it? Abu Kalam Hazad, I'm sure it was him. Abu Kalam Hazad. Did he mention specific tribes that Ya'juj and Ma'juj would be... Who who they represented, or specific nations? I'm sure he did. I'm sure he mentioned the Germans yeah, yeah, yeah. and the British. <laughs> so he mentions uh, specifically yes. who they are, where the locations are. Yes, uh, in his um, and yeah, yeah. So I mean, the point point being, it is the mindset. It's not, and it's not um, the specifics of peoples, and so it's that kind of. You know, it's like the British Empire was the empire um, over which the sun never set. That mindset of having complete control, of having, you know, you look at the East India Company, for example, and, and the, the amount of reparations that Britain or, you know, modern day Britain would have to pay if, you know, those countries had the power to pull it in and say, look, this is what you owe us, would would. would would uh, not just bankrupt Britain, it would just um, enslave Britain. Hmm. The resources just being ripped out of countries. And it's still happening now. If you look at, you know, a lot of the studies I did in university were about debt. And if you look at the amount of wealth that goes from this, the, 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 the global south to the north, richer countries, is, is staggering, you know, in terms of debt, in terms of how they, how they manipulate raw um, resources and if they're manufactured, they they have much more monetary value. All that is set up so the poor countries and nations never actually develop. They never have control of what they have. If you look at resources, there's no no continent more rich than in Africa, but there's no peoples on earth more poor than the African people. And so mm. it's all about the mechanism, and the mechanism is essentially a mechanism you know you would say conceived of by Yajuj and Majuj because it's extracting and sucking out all the energy that we have in our countries. I mean, that, that brings me... Okay, so we're reflecting. We are... Uh, people who are listening as well. So we are reflecting on this particular surah, surah Kahf, uh, the themes, the meanings, and finding its relevance to our own behaviors, to our own lives, and how, A, we live, and B, how we interact with the realities around us. Uh, and one of the reality is this mindset that, exists um, which is quite a, a mindset of taking over 
mm. a mindset of not uh, take any means to justify your ends mm-hmm. um and then it ends in plunder and violating human beings uh the the, the values mm. muslim conquests mm-hmm. are also mm-hmm. um they they they're also seen as mm-hmm. quite similar mm. so seen as do you have time to just open, open yeah, that kind of we worms have. or shall we do this <laughs> no, after the break I mean, uh, you 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 give me the most loaded question out of the blue of, I'm yeah. there before your ad break <laughs> okay so <laughs> let's let's leave it after the ad break Let, let's go for an ad break inshallah uh, uh, i didn't look at the time properly Uh, so we have a, uh, a minute to the ad break. But I'm going to take an ad break so that we can discuss this straight after. Iftar today is going to be at 9:34 in Glasgow. Those of you who are um, uh, joining us from out of Glasgow, this is reflections on a local radio station at um, in Radio Ramadan, which is on 87.7. FM frequency uh, during Ramadan 15:30 medium wave on uh, out with Ramadan also on our website radioramadan.scot or rr365.co.uk listen live um, you can also uh, find us on DAB if you're in Glasgow uh, on um, radio ramadan 365 just before the break uh, i asked sheikh and obviously there wasn't enough time Sheikh so yeah uh, the, the mindset of yajuj majuj and the the mindset of uh, 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 someone who subscribes to faith belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, following the divine revelation and especially uh, in terms of following the divine revelation through the last prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam how important it is for us to identify that the, the the faith that you and i the faith the most of the listeners uh, have um feel that you are not part of that civilization who seek um who, who seek conquests on uh, at the cost of human violation mm-hmm. is there a difference it seems that all the dynasties all the uh, the the the, uh, the the big um kind of sultanates mm-hmm. they were founded they were also guilty of similar mindset mm-hmm. they did similar they committed similar atrocities mm-hmm. and there was this hunger of power that existed mm-hmm. it wasn't always seeking justice mm-hmm. it wasn't always seeking uh the the rule of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the rule of uh, or the teachings of uh, our prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam yes so i mean you don't you, you can't obviously um, paint over episodes in 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 history um islamic history or this is human history will will provide you know details of what are called the futuhat al-islamiyah the kind of muslim conquests um and it is not worth denying the fact that there will be episodes within that which you would equate with similar episodes that happened at the hands of other peoples other civilizations mm. but you know i would seek to provide 
you know, almost... Because you asked us just before the break. I mean, I, would, I seek to provide a very clear, clear statistical um, observation that that isn't the case in terms of numbers, in terms of statistics, in terms of projections, that is, Islam um, as a religion... Remember, in, in the Battle of Khandaq, or during the 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 the, the digging of the of the of the trench, which happened during the time of the Khandaq conquest of the Quraysh against the Prophet the Prophet hit a stone three times, and three times he saw sparks come out in the presence of the companions. And Salman al-Farisi asked him, "What is what is this?" And he said, "With the first, I saw the 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 lands of the south, Yemen, in other words, being granted to me, and then." The, the east and the west. In other words, the Prophet was granted a dominion which would spread beyond this, this small village. And so it meant that the companions, when they, when they, when they ended up having to, to take care of the, of the resting of the Prophet after his passing away from er, the earthly life, the concept of, of moving and expanding was naturally in, ingrained within them. Because remember, the, the Prophet in, in numerous Situations he took them almost by the scruff of the neck out of their comfort zone um, to show them that they're going out. Hmm. Like when the Prophet is on his deathbed, he's preparing an army to leave, and he would. And if that's a message for anything, it's a message that you have to keep going, even despite my own illness, despite myself being. And and even Abbas, you know the uncle, of the you know the, the relative of the Prophet, he saw. He said, "I see it in the Prophet's face, what I saw in all the Bani Hashim, which is death." And so, at that point, the Prophet is preparing an army. It means that the expeditions are part and parcel of Islam. Expeditions meaning spread of the teaching, not mm-hmm. as as you you were tra- you were, you, were, you were presenting it that it could be argued by people that this is just a normal conquest, which is part and parcel of bloodshed and and pillaging of, of resources and all the rest of it. This was essentially a religious um, movement which was there to teach people about the faith and to ask them to accept it or if they didn't accept it to live under it. Mm-hmm. And so the only issue we have to ask is if if you want to paint it as oppressive, what did they do? Did they force people to convert? Or were the conditions of a nature where you would say that it was unethical or it was against the very religious teachings of the Prophet And in both counts, whether you say they were forced to convert, we know that historically it was not the case, just from statistics again. Majority, these Muslim countries like Palestine, which is the present day Palestine, Sham, Iraq, you've got Persia, you've got Egypt. These lands that Islam conquered and conquered well never became majority Muslim countries until centuries later, five, six centuries later, which meant if the if the if the Umayyads wanted to convert, they would have converted. Mm-hmm. Like okay, thirty years, forty years, there was no civil war, there was no uprising from the the, the indigenous populations of Jew, Jews and Christians and, and Zoroastrians, which meant that they weren't forced, and we have no we have no record of them taking up arms and resisting. Mm-hmm. The Muslim um, conquest, which meant they lived under Muslim rule, free to practice their religion, and essentially they, you know, the second count where they treated well, they they sought out Islamic rulership, they sought out Islamic, um, um, you know, leadership 
or government as opposed to whatever else was on offer because the fact that their taxes just went you know the studies of their taxation policies is that it almost became negligible so the parallel powers of the time mm-hmm. when when muslims was mm-hmm. uh, like faith islamic faith was one of the powerful nations mm-hmm. how was it different it was different in in that sense i mean if you look at feudal feudal europe if you look at the the western the, the western roman holy roman empire if you look at the eastern byzantine empire if you look at the persian empire all of these um societies were feudal and very much based upon owning people that were on your land so the this the structure that was there the kind of inherent given of everybody being a slave unless proven otherwise mm-hmm. was not the case in under islamic um law mm-hmm. islamic rulership the only way that a person could fall into slavery was being a combatant on the battlefield in which case slavery was a means not of owning people but of rehabilitating them into this, into the population because you don't have prisons and if you don't have prisons how can you how can you deal with an enemy who's who's at war with you except to have them under some kind of physical control mm-hmm. and you know it, it, you know that's something that's well known so what happened is like in the situation of the mamluks in egypt the whole civ dynasty of the mamluks was basically slaves that became rulers because mm-hmm. they were given the freedom to to buy their buy their own um you know freedom you know paradoxically and also once they did that they were able to achieve whatever they wanted to achieve which in the end of the day was building the Mamluk empire which was one of the strongest empires that we have but if you look at like the ottomans if you look at the safavids look at the the moghuls the abbasids the umayyads the great dynasties the ayyubids they were it's instinctively different from other um i would say nations and civilizations around them mm-hmm. in the sense that they were held to a high account by their religious teachings very like secular in nature huh? very secular in nature they would be secular they were quite inclusive freedom say, yeah in second that sense i would say they were they were open minded they were fair and they had the religious establishment which always kept them in check okay which is the whole point i think with with unfortunately with with christianity and this is well documented this is one of the reasons the reformation took place is the catholic church was very much there for power and wealth and control and so it just supported whatever king or monarch wanted its support as long as they were fed mm. and the, the 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 reformation the protestant reformation was because of the fact that certain segments of christian christianity said this is not how religion should be it should be worshiping a god worshiping god it should be ethical and so essentially that proves my point that there was something so wrong in those societies and cultures that they had to have revolutions they had to have the enlightenment they had to mm. have the renaissance to kick back from this kind of closed mindset of the rulers whereas in islam you saw during the the, the late umayyad period the early abbasid period this renaissance of literature and art and science and progress continued during the ottoman empire continued during the mughal empire in terms of arts and crafts and the glitches are glitches and feelings of humans mm-hmm. so there were very clearly rulers who you know Delhi Ibrahim in, in the Ottoman Empire he was known to be just throwing caution to the wind and having no care for religion and all the rest of it those were exceptions and they were known mm-hmm. Delhi Ibrahim is called the mad Ibrahim and it was he just threw away all the conventions of the Ottomans and he was just seen as being this this kind of um dark figure mm. but, but usually the rest of them were 
try to uphold in a public context the principles of our faith. And in terms of civilizations, if you look at Islam, if you look at the seven top world civilizations, Islam is right at the bottom in terms of its you know, body count, in terms of wars it, it waged and people it killed in wars. You talk about the Confucian, you talk about Christianity, you're talking about the Persian Empire. You're talking all these in Christianity right at the top. It doesn't, it doesn't not even compare, it doesn't kind of have a, a comparison. Mm-hmm. And so the thing about Islamic conquest was essentially there to spread the message and to allow the message to be accessible. And the blips that are there are human feelings, but mm-hmm. I think the blips are blips. They're statistically blips that we can say exist. But the rule, they, prove, they actually prove the rule, which is that the scholarly class and the, and, and the intelligentsia of the Muslim empires made sure that the principles were kept to and they were upheld, upheld to, which means that it's, you know, the, the conquests are different, I think. If you look at what Islam did when it, when it conquered a land, it wasn't what you know, most nations did when they conquered lands. Hmm. When the, the kings enter into any city, they lay it to waste. Hmm. Hmm. But that's not the case. Generally, the Prophet gave us the, the perfect lesson of that, which is the conquest of Mecca, where he entered the city without the bloodshed, without making the, 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 the most noblest of them the lowest, which is what the, what the um, Bilqis said about Suleiman's encroaching army to her. Um, seat of power she said it will make the loftiest and most noble of us the slaves hmm. well, the Prophet, when he conquered um, or, or recaptured or you know whatever you want to call it came into possession of Mecca he, he made the nobles even more noble you know hmm. like the nobles which is Abu Sufyan and and all the people that had some kind of standing in society he ennobled them even more because he said man dakhala bayta Abi Sufyan Hmm. Whoever enters his house will be safe. Whereas the conqueror would do what? He would say, okay, he was the person that stood against me. I will impale him, quarter him in, the, in, the, in front of the Kaaba and, and leave his head on a spear. Hmm. Hmm. Do you understand? And if, you, if that's your teaching of your, of your prophet conquering a city, then you cannot claim to be the upholder and defender of Islam and do the opposite. It's impossible. Allah wants with, to whereas with the Prophet Jesus, because we have no example of him doing that, we found the Christian rulers doing it because they had no precedence. Hmm. So they, they weren't held to account by this, this, this figure of Christ who had done the same thing but without bloodshed. Whereas hmm. the Prophet had done it and showed it being done without bloodshed. Without bloodshed. And for... for and without any care for wealth, the for, wealth for, that he got yeah. in, in that conquest and Hunain, he got it and he threw it away. And so this idea of, of conquering to kill, conquering to gain wealth, you know, the Prophet you just just completely destroyed that whole idea in those years where you could have said, Okay, there you go, like the Christian or the atheist. But there, there are power structures Islam. needed to build a civilization. Yeah. There is a power structure that's needed. Yes. To build a civilization. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the whole point, you know, one of the things that I forgot actually is part of it is to spread the, the, the message, but the other thing is to ista'maruha, is to civilize the earth. In other words, to, to create civilizations that are functioning and are of benefit to people. Mm-hmm. Like, 
protecting health, protecting safety, you know, making things more efficient for people, um, you know, pushing the boundaries of human knowledge. All these things are, you know, we believe that we have the the blueprint to do that in the, in the best way. Mm-hmm. So why not tell people about it? And in the past, you couldn't send a text message or have a Facebook account where you started to preach to people on Facebook. Mm. You had to physically go. And if you didn't physically go, the people in those countries would be oppressed and living as slaves um, and in the tyranny that they were in, unless you came to their aid. Mm. And so, you know, it puts, a, it puts a lot of onus on Muslims and Islam, Muslims specifically as ourselves, to make sure that we are a very strong, audible voice at the global table in terms of ideas, which is unfortunately not the case because we're very much a fringe community, very much, if we are active in, in, in terms of uh, activism, it's very much for um, pushing a, a minority uh, entitlement that we feel a specific group has, not in terms of the big ideas that will you know, save or protect or preserve civilization like the future of technology or the environment or global safety and security. We're not at that table. We're at the table of, you know, at the very best of our actions is to speak up against oppression. Mm-hmm. But then why not be the people that create the rules by which oppression cannot take place? Mm. You know, like you have an international lawyer that can do much more than a thousand scholars nowadays. Like not, not a thousand scholars, like all scholars. By change, having creating a, a change in law which means that oppression doesn't take place. Hmm. Or you could have an economist who creates a, a transparency model in terms of modeling for um, you know, project, projected growth that could reduce poverty to the point that he does more or she does more than every single Muslim charity on the face of this earth. Like that one person using their mind can do more good than all the charities that we have put together. And that one international lawyer can do more than you know, a thousand ranting imams on, on the mimbar. Do you understand? And that's the whole point of the fact that you have to spread the message to everybody. Everybody has the right to listen to it. Everybody has the right to be ennobled by it. And the, and the thing of the Prophet Sallallahu that's so interesting is that he, when he taught, he didn't say everyone become like me. Hmm. He said, everybody take something of what I am that's suitable for you and grow. And that's for males and females. That's an amazing thing that every male and female that we know of, that I know of, can take one aspect of the Prophet Because you can't take everything. It's just so vast, the ocean of the Prophet You can take one small thing and you can run with that and you can make that your life calling, your generosity, for example, or your sociability, or your lending ear. Hmm. So the Quraysh used to you know, criticize the Prophet saying, they used to say, Udhun, he is nothing more than ears. He just listens. And the Quran says, lakum." He is ears, but ears that listen for what is good for you. So taking that leaf from this book, uh, where we, uh, and taking Surah Kahf's lesson, our elders taught us to be of use, and hence this radio station was built. Uh, I'm just giving um, some listeners an appreciation of how much work gets done by volunteers of Glasgow. Uh, and it is done exactly in the spirit what Sheikh just explained. Um, uh, we, we shared on ref- reflections that to understand our calling, mm. to understand what we can do to contribute. Mm. And I, I've always been fascinated with the story of Surah Kahf, where these people, 
the, the message from these people is contribution. Mm. They wanted to contribute. They wanted to add value to human life mm. through uh, a certain act of proving a point that there is no God but Allah. Mm. Uh, and they left everything for that. Mm. We have uh, a window um, in this building that we are in. Uh, with 99 names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 91 of them have gone actually 92 now um, yesterday we, we shared with you some of the names of Allah and these 8 uh, now 7 names are left Al-Hakam Al-Muqaddim Al-Muakhir Al-Akhir Al-Dahir Al-Musayr Al-Witr 1000 pounds per name is the cost of the sponsorship to associate yourself with this name and this will enable us to carry on carry out this work that we do uh, with volunteers uh, the only thing that we ask for uh, we've never asked for uh, money for the arc or the running of the station because we have advertising revenue but this building that we've taken on requires your support so that we can carry on alhamdulillah full generation uh, we have seen uh, who's contributed towards this project 24 years and we want to get this to the next generation who can make it even better, bigger and uh, more uh, instrumental in this message and this change that Sheikh shared. Sheikh, this name Al-Muqaddim and Al-Muakhir, mm. the pair. The Muqaddim Muakhir, these are very famous names of, the Prophet, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Prophet taught us about in the Hadith of Imam Tirmidhi of the 99 names. Al-Muqaddim is the one that um, Allows things to to come to the fore. Muqaddim is the one that puts you forward or puts events forward to the point that you benefit from them. And the Muakhir is the one that delays certain things from you for a specific reason. And so these always are, are you know, always understood in pairs because they essentially, if you think about it, they essentially are are the same thing, and that needs to be understood. Mm-hmm. It's like al-zahir and al-baltin, the outward and the, and the, and the manifest. Because Ibn, Ibn Ta'ala al-Skandri, he says, how can we not praise you when, you're, when you are, your outward appear, outwardness is so apparent that you're hidden, that you're so manifest that we can't see you, we can't hear you, we can't perceive you, we can only worship you. And therefore, al-zahir and al-baltin are essentially... Aspects, two aspects of the same being, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah is also al-muqaddim and al-muakhir, meaning the one that fast-forwards things for you, gives, the, gives you them just when you want them or, or, or before when you want them, they're ready for you. Or Allah is the one that is the muakhir, is the one that um, puts you at the end of the queue. Hmm. But to be honest, when you, when you put to the end of the queue, you don't know the, the, end, the, the beginning of the queue, what that will lead to. Hmm. Hmm. That's the whole point, isn't it? I mean, the whole point is, if, if Allah, if you take Mu'akhir to be a negative name, which Allah is delaying something for you, do you not think the one that is delaying with wisdom is, is the one that has your best intre- interest at heart? And the one that is Muqaddim may well be bringing forward something that is, that is not beneficial for you. Hmm. So the whole point is, these names are connected because they, they indicate this quality of Allah bringing you close to means or taking you away from means. That could be close to means that are, that are detrimental to you, or it could mean taking you away from means that are um, you know, detrimental to you, in which case one is something we don't want and one is something that we do want. But 
It could be the one that brings you close to what is good or it could be the one that takes you away from what's evil. And so there's all good. This is why, you know, these are called Asma al-Husna, the perfect names. Husna is beautiful, but also means this idea of perfection, that they couldn't be more perfect. Hmm. That you couldn't conceive of a balance between the names which would, which would be perfect or more just to God's existence. So when we talk about all the names, there's no one name you could say, I wish God was also this. Hmm. So then he would, he would say, well, these are not Asma'illah al-Husna because there's something missing that we need to add on. And this is why a lot of the names of Allah that are mentioned in, in books, they, all, they can only be understood in, in the full context of where they're used. Whereas the 99 names that we have in the Hadith of Imam Tirmidhi, are, they're, they're almost like standalone names that, are, that make complete sense. Muqaddim and Muakhir. Uh, just to remind you to the listeners that what we're asking is £1,000 per name. Uh, we've, uh, we launched this a few years ago. Only seven final names left for you to have your name on this plaque with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name next to it uh, as you become the sponsor for this particular name. As we know that the, our entire life is a journey to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we only know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because one of the questions asked will be Man Rabbuka, you know, who is your Lord? And this entire journey of our life is to understand who He is. Uh, and we know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through His beautiful names. And today's two names that Shaykh has explained are Muqaddim and Muakhir. Because it's a pair, we want a sponsor who can take both these names together. Muqaddim and Muakhir. Can you take one, Sheikh? I have no idea. You're the one in charge. <laughs> I mean, these are names. I mean, these are names that you're obviously creating a, a, a mosaic for. Yeah. Uh, it's like a plaque that you that you're obviously that is that is the the help that you will go towards a center which is a media hub for Muslims and it's a center for congregation and things like that. So it's an act of good. These these are almost like methods by which you end up raising funds, which also allow them to have a plaque which indicates that they've contributed. And it's a sadaqa jariya, as you know, if it's for a person who's passed away, it's a sadaqa jariya that they're contributing a brick in the mortar of a place which is, you know, preserving or promoting Islam. And that's, you know, essentially actions are by their intentions. Um, and so... You know, I have another pair. Uh, we have final few minutes. Al-Akhir. Uh, no, actually it's not a pair. Al-Akhir and Al-Zahir. Al-Akhir is the one that comes... Literally it means Al-Akhir. Bila nihaya. So they always mention it as being the one that's last without an end. Which means that essentially Allah is the everlasting self-sustaining and if he's the last he's also also the first mm. and this is outside the realm of creation it's the realm of of need of food and drink and time and space so this is a name of of jalal because it indicates god's majesty mm. that if he is he is the last everlasting means also that he will be the one that is the first with that beginning as well so it's like a sense it's a it's a way of praising allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Al-Akhir. So Al-Akhir is, is exactly that. And Zahir. Al-Zahir is, is that the other one? The Zahir. So Al-Zahir is the one that's apparent. Zuhur is, is something that, that was hidden and then it became a manifest. And Al-Zahir is the one that's Zahir in his actions, in his qualities, in his care for, for humanity and, and for the cosmos. Al-Zahir in terms of the fact that you can see the effects of God's power and God's creative force 
on creation, the perfection of the heavens and the earth and the mountains and the stars and the ecological balance that God has created indicates that that thing, as Ibn Al-Ta'ala says, that the the athar point towards the actions, the actions point towards the attributes, and the attributes point towards an essence of Allah that has to exist. So the zahir is the actions, hmm. the things that we see, the cause and the effect that we see points us towards the fact that there must be somebody that did it, who has the qualities of doing that, who exists. Hmm. So zahir hmm. is like this kind of detection, you know, like Sherlock Holmes, a detective thing. It points you towards the fact that Allah exists. So Zahir and Duhur is this amazing quality of Allah being so apparent and so manifest that there's no way of denying His existence, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So those of you listening, if you would like to associate yourself with sponsoring one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a thousand pounds, that number is 375-3434. If you are on our Facebook Live, you can leave a message. Inshallah, somebody will be in touch with you. Final seven left. 27th night is when we will inshallah close this today uh, is 23rd of ramadan so a few more days left uh, don't delay it inshallah you know that 92 are booked only final seven left al-hakam al-muqaddim al-muakhir al-akhir al-zahir al-musair and al-witr just before we close sheikh al-witr al-witr is the one that is unique is the one that is um, by himself So witr in Arabic is, is to be odd And witr also relates to the, the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is al-wahid and wahid So these names witr, wahid, wahid All relate to different attributes of God being unique But witr is the one that will remain And it also has this, this kind of concept of baqa Which is wahid and wahid have this idea of numeracy and number Whereas witr has this idea of permanency you know, mm. The witr is the one that remains, will be baqi when everything um, comes to an end. As Allah says, everything in existence comes to um, an end. The thing that remains is the, the countenance of your Lord, full of majesty and, and power. And so witr is the one that has this unique quality of existence which will be permanent. Permanency will be one of those attributes that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. We leave you with uh, this track of 99 names of Allah. Please remember us in your du'as when you make du'a for yourself. Inshallah, we'll see you again tomorrow at 8 p.m. with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad reflecting on the final section of Surah Kahf uh, and taking some lessons from it for our own lives. Until then, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Thank you for listening to Radio Ramadan 365 podcasts. Make sure to visit our Radio Ramadan website at rr365.co.uk to access all of our podcasts. Stay tuned on our social channels for future content. 